He struts like John Wayne, resembles Jim Carrey, and dresses like he's visually impaired. Because he is Insight. Insight with Mark Farrell on the Progressive Radio Network. Network. Ah, uh, yes. How's Thursday feeling for you so far? I hope really good, and I hope it's a nice day wherever you are in the world. My name is Mark Farrell. The show is Insight. Happy to have you along. And I saw something so beautiful this morning. I had to share it with you. Of course, everybody knows what mums are. And they're very popular in the fall season. But this morning, I was going for a run. And I came across this house that had just a bevy of yellow and off yellow, I guess orange, because my wife says sometimes I'm colorblind. I think she may be right. <laughs> uh, mums all together. And I just had to stop and marvel about how gorgeous they are, man. Wow. I mean, just because the, the colors are changing, the leaves are beginning to change here in the tri-state region in the northeast of New Jersey area. And the colors really, really pop, especially in the morning when the sun's kind of rising and you're like, whoa, it really just captures your eye. Pretty neat stuff. So if you haven't gotten some mums wherever you are and they are in season wherever you are, grab some because they're going to make you feel damn great. Hey, we got an awesome show coming your way. You're going to meet a guy named Derek Tab. Derek Tab is the co-founder of The Roots of Music. This is an incredible program, phenomenal program in New Orleans that takes kids, picks them up from their schools, right, and takes them via bus to an after-school programming that's all-encompassing with a focus on being education and music and they emphasize them both equally as well, education and music. And of course, they have lots of fun and they perform all over the place, including one place they performed that I was just like, whoa, oh my God, these kids have an incredible, incredible experience being with the Roots Music. Derek Tab coming up, co-founder of The Roots of Music. And if you want to check them out, it's therootsofmusic.org, therootsofmusic.org. Hey, it's Mark. And yes, you probably heard the news that Alex Jones, you know, the fake narrative expert, if there is such a thing, has to pay a billion dollars to the families of the Sandy Hook victims. Um, I think it comes down to like $955 million. You know, I guess I can't even be happy about this because no amount of money can ever bring the kids back. No amount of money could ever make the parents feel better. And no amount of money could ever make this guy go away. Yesterday, he's actually laughing on the air after the verdict came in, saying, oh, you know, I have to pay this much. Who cares? It's a joke, but I'm never going to pay it because my lawyer said we'll appeal, yada, yada, yada. Um, he is just someone who is just, I don't really, I don't even like to use the word hate, but when I hear this guy, when I see this guy, um, it's just amazing that he's fueled by so many people who give him attention. And yes, I'm giving him attention right now, but not in a positive way at all. Um, he is just someone that is just despicable with every fiber of my being. I just don't understand how people can tolerate him, can give him any credibility and understand and or side with him on any level. And yet he's making money hand over fist. So actually this $955 million, it's probably something he can swing. <sighs> I don't know if the families who woke up this morning after the verdict of the Sandy Hook mass shooting are going to feel any sense of relief. I doubt it. I hope they do because they deserve some solace in their life. My Lord, they deserve solace. Um, but it's just an ugly, ugly situation. 
something that made me feel kind of good this morning. <laughs> Actually, kind of made me laugh as well, because if you know certainly the history of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, you'd understand that, yeah, 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 well, there's always turmoil involved. And it's no different, I guess, now because Graham Nash is going to be hanging out and teaming up with David Crosby. Of course, they've had like years long of disputes, of course, from the former Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Phenomenal band that actually, in my eyes, did not uh, do nearly enough music that they were capable of because they were not able to stay together long enough, unfortunately. But they're going to be coming out with an album, Nash and Crosby. And uh, I think the funniest part is the album of the the name of the album is going to be called Ready Harmony. <laughs> but they're going to be doing some covers from um, Stephen Stills, uh, Love the One You're With, which is kind of a wink in itself. Uh, Doctor My Eyes, Jackson Brown. Who else are they going to do? Uh, they're also going to do James Taylor's Mexico, uh, Carol King song You've Got a Friend. So it's kind of funny when you think about how much turmoil has been existing between them. And they're coming out with this album with all these songs that are kind of warm and fuzzy. Great songs, not taking any thunder away, credibility away from these songs. But of course, with the album title called Harmony. (laughs) You got to love it. Hey, want you to join me in New York City on October 24th. Is that it? I can't even remember the date. Yeah, October 24th. Right here for Laugh for Sight. Laugh for Sight is a phenomenal organization started by Brian Fischler. I think this is the 15th year. We paused for two years because of COVID, like the rest of the world. And now we're back. It's a night of hysterical comics, uh, raising money and making fun of the blind and visually impaired. And why not? Laugh for Sight. I mean, that's the name of the show, so you got to do it. Robert Klein's the headliner. Aaron Berg, who is also very, very funny. You know who's going to be there, who I'm really interested in seeing? Because I've seen those guys other times, and they're really, really good. Ophira Eisenberg. She's an NPR contributor, and she's also on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, an awesome show that appears there. Also, uh, who else is going to be there? Keith Robinson. So I have the pleasure of uh, hosting the uh, early part of the show and getting everybody warmed up with alcohol (laughs) and some Mark Farrell jokes. Uh, mostly self-deprecating, of course. And uh, Brian Fisher, of course, I, as I mentioned, is the founder. And he's also a comedian as well. Very, very gifted and talented dude. And a great guy who's a visionary. I hate to say that word, visionary, because it sounds like I'm trying to be funny. No, I didn't mean to say visionary. I did mean it, but I didn't mean it in a funny way. But uh, I hope you join me, if you can. Uh, Gotham Comedy Club's on 14th Street. And you can go to uh, laughforsightsight.com. LaughForSight.com. Proceeds benefit two great organizations, of course, in this related field. Guiding Eyes for the Blind and the Schwartzman Animal Medical Center's Guide Dog Fund. Well, that's a mouthful, right? (laughs) There's going to be a joke or two out of that alone that I'll have to come up with. So uh, I'd love for you to join me. It it is really a fantastic night. It's one of my more preferred comedy clubs in New York City because it's intimate. I think there's maybe... 125, 150 max capacity. So it's really, every seat is a great seat. I know people say that sometimes, but it really is. Gotham Comedy Club, October 24th, Laugh for Sight. I think it's the 15th anniversary. I have to find that out for sure because I've been doing it since the first year, which is really, really hard to believe. So great job, Brian. All right, time to meet the co-founder of The Roots of Music, the program that I mentioned to you at the head of the show that is a vital program in New Orleans that is transforming the way kids spend after-school hours 
through education and music. It's phenomenal. And a program, I believe, needs to be much more ubiquitous. Derek, in my eyes, you are leading like the ideal life, man. You're a professional musician that also has the phenomenal opportunity to positively impact youth through music and more. I mean, is this a perfect combination? Yes, it is. It really is. Uh, I got to see the world and experience a lot, traveling, meeting great people. And now I get to pass on everything that I experienced through music and give kids the opportunity to do some of the same things that I got to experience. If there is a silver lining of, of Hurricane Katrina is the reduced funding for middle school, the music programs that I guess gave you the epiphany for the Roots Music Program? Yes. Um, you know, that I felt like we, we, we always waste time. And when kids get in trouble, then we offer the services that they need prior to them getting in trouble. I think that, you, you know, we should have those services available for kids right off the bat. They should get those services. So when they stop funding all the middle school programs, it impacted me in a way that I felt that they wasn't going to see any more of me. You know, it was going to stop seeing kids that had the opportunity to be saved by music. And I had to do something about it. So I started, I had already had a, a music program in, in my head called Roots of Music. So it, 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 after Katrina it really pushed me, you know, or I say it inspired me to do it more, push it and start it up. I mean, it's got to be something, obviously, that's part of your DNA. It's well-rooted in you because of, you know, where you've grown up in New Orleans, uh, playing the drums at such a young age and being a professional musician at 11. I mean, come on, your first gig at 11. Um, and here you are, you're serving kids that are ages 9 through 14, 140 students annually, uh, waiting list of approximately 400 students. I mean, this has really come to fruition. Has it exceeded your wildest dreams? Yes, um, in many ways. Uh, just a brief background of it. Uh, the first day was amazing. Uh, I, had, I had a young man and his brother uh, both wanted to be in the program and they pushed me to start the program a little early because every day I would see them and they'd be like, man, you gonna start the band? Uncle Derek, you gonna start the band? When you gonna start the band? So I had to start the band. Get nudged. I, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't deny them. So the first day, of practice, uh, we were supposed to be 19 kids because it was supposed to be 20 kids, but one of the kids decided that they had to go on a retreat with their family. So I had $1,000 left over. I was gonna put $20,000 for six weeks towards 20 kids. Um, $1,000 was gonna go to a bus because one kid couldn't show. So I got a guy to do six weeks worth of bus routes for $1,000 for 19 kids. But the first day, 42 kids showed up. And I'm like, wait, where all these kids come from? The next week, we had 65. And the following week, the third week, we were over 100 kids. So the program pretty much took feet and walked on its own. And uh, started, you've seen the need for a program like this immediately. You've seen that kids, not just a, not just a need, a want. Because mm. you've seen that it, they needed more programs like this, but you've seen the want from the kids to be in a program and want to be doing something other than just staying home playing the video games or getting in trouble so right off the bat the program just boom went off and then we started getting a lot of publicity from the local uh news and uh radio stations about us practicing and kids you know they wanted to know where all these kids were going 
after school all of a sudden. And uh, it was great publicity. It just was always uh, the wrong publicity as far as putting the word out as far as uh, the need for money. You know, the program started off in debt because of how many kids showed up and me only, you know, figuring out that I was going to have 19 kids and 42 kids showed up. So we already started off financially in debt. So it was like friends like uh, Martha and uh, Jack Leahy who really came to the rescue in the very beginning and helped me to keep the program going. And then you had other people that just came about that just, uh, my friend Rob, uh, Rob, my good friend in New York, Scott Goldshine, he just you know came to the rescue. A lot of people came to the rescue to see this program succeed, but it was really, really, the publicity that just kept the program going. Yeah, sure. Well, it takes a village, right? And usually, yes. Derek, the beginning of any business program uh, serving youth or adults is about getting the name and attention out there so the people will come. And that right. was not your problem. <laughs> right. That That's was not my problem. Yeah. So in your design stage, were you envisioning something that is going to involve transportation and hot meals and a mandatory outfit? that you have to wear for Roots of Music program. Did that yes. come in stages or was that a design all at once? Everything, I, I thought about the program 10 years prior to starting it and it just stayed in my head. I told everybody about it. I didn't want to be the front man for it. So I would actually tell, if I met you, Mark, back then I would say, hey, Mark, I got a great idea for a program. You want to start it? You could be the front man. I could tell you everything <laughs> to do to make it right. Um, the idea was actually carbon copy of my junior high band director program but I added three things because I felt like he had the perfect program for a kid but they were missing three elements and I felt from the kid side of things he didn't have the input from the child to understand what those three things were and even the finances to make those three things happen so uh, the first was uh, transportation uh, I, I hated that I, I lived, I used to live 11 blocks instead of 12 blocks from the school and I hate, had to walk home. And um, I seen some of the worst stuff that you could possibly see. And I seen the guy get shot. I seen, you know, prostitution. I seen drugs. I seen everything that I felt like a kid my mm -hmm. age shouldn't have seen and been involved with in any kind of way. So transportation was a must with this program. Mm, to bypass all of that. Bypass all, and I make sure that the kid get to and from the program safe, and that was the most important part. Because not just seeing that stuff, because you know life, you're gonna see different things in life no matter what. So it wasn't just seeing, but actually to be able, you know how close I was to you know getting shot if if, if a bullet just stray away, and I'm walking down the street in those dangerous areas that I had to pass, not that I could go around. It, it, it made sense to have buses. You know, I just felt like we should have been offered at least transportation. If you didn't offer the transportation program, and it would be understandable if you couldn't, because obviously that's a great deal of funding, you would be very limited to the amount of kids you could serve. And obviously that would have kept you up at night. Exactly. Uh, I, I had this big idea to service kids all around the day, all around the city, because I had the great opportunity of making so many friends by playing music. I played in in my own brass band, Olympia Kids. I played in Little Rascals brass band. So we had to play around the city a lot. 
and I, I got to build friendships because I played a drum. And I'm talking about lasting friendships, friendships that I've had for the last 40 years, just playing a drum. And it was like, uh, how could I build friendships before I build enemies? Down here in New Orleans, they have so much, so much territory that uh, these things that kids that want to think they're from these territories or uh, they own these territories. I don't know if you even know what you want to call it. We, we have, we don't have gangs down here. Yeah, turf wars, but not really gangs. It's more of, you know, I'm from this area. And it's not really gangs down here. So by that being such a big factor after Katrina, you never know where you was going to live at. <laughs> you you might have was from the tent wall. You couldn't even tell where you were half the time. Exactly. So it made sense for me to put friends together because there are people all around the city just moving all over. So it was more of how do I build a friendship first? And I, what better way than music? So um, I thought about how could I get all the kids from around the city to a neutral area that wasn't considered a ward or a territory or when anybody could see now, I wanted to be in the French quarters or somewhere in mid city where I can receive all the kids. So transportation was very key to that, them getting to and from me safely and being being able to get to me. This is a no excuse pro program. I want to offer everything to you for free, just about so you have no excuse why you're not with me or why you're not learning. What has been the feedback from the mayor, the board of education, families, the community? I've, I've gotten really good, great support and um, support and feedback. Uh, it's, uh, I would say that it could always be more, you know, uh, but I, I take everything in stride. I just, I, I do my part mm. and I just try to make sure that everybody know about the program and everybody understands what the, the importance of this program and how many kids are saving and how many things, how many things is just doing, you know, sure. like the transportation is one thing, but you, you, you're offering mentorship. You are offering, you being a father, or sometime a key person in a kid's life that could save that kid life. Uh, you, you have, we have another part of the program that was very important to me was the food program. It was very important that I have food. I was a greedy little kid, man. And and I'm gonna be honest with you, this was purely, this part of it was purely for kids that didn't get to eat or didn't have. I wasn't one of those kids. My mom cooked at home and I started making money real young. So I always had a few dollars to go buy me whatever I wanted to eat. Uh, but I had friends that used to steal and they didn't go home to, you know, the same yeah. food. And, you know, it, it was it was sad for me because a lot of my friends came to my house and ate by me. And I didn't even <laughs> like my mom cooking that much. <laughs> but it filled the void, right? Yeah. Well, that's was... the thing, Derek Tab. I mean, just one little brush with the law by shoplifting food because, you know, a kid's hungry. Everybody and anybody needs to eat. And one little sidetrack like that can offset and change the trajectory of anyone's life. Exactly. You know, and for me, my me being on the other side of the track of having money, but having friends like that, it made me feel bad for them. But it put me in situations where I was the fall guy for, you know, for, say, making the guy, the store owner, turn his back to buy something that I want, that I really don't want. But he, once he turned his back, now my friend is stealing. 
you know, so he can have something to eat. Sure. And uh, I got tired of that. I didn't like that. So I, I, I started making a lot of my friends play music and I started a band with a lot of my friends that was um, in junior high with me. We called it Olympia Kids because I didn't feel like my friends should have to steal. Mm, uh, absolutely. To well, you know more than anybody, the power of community, right? And then yeah. you have the power of community after Katrina. I mean, I believe a community that hurts together, heals together. And then yes. on top of that, you have a music community, which I don't care whether you're from New Orleans, LA, these guys are tight knit. They just pick up the phone. Hey, Derek, I need you on a track. Can you cut it for me? And what do you say? What time? What yep. time you need me for? And if somebody doesn't have health insurance, let's get a, uh, a program. Yep. Yes. A fundraiser together. You yes. guys are there whether you're in New Orleans or anywhere in the world, because you guys have that musical family bond. Yes. We're always around each other. You know, New Orleans is not as big as everybody think it is. It's really small. I want to say it's like 15 to 20 square miles apart, you know, either way. It's so when you think about how small it is, it's kind of hard not to know each other and sure. know, sure. you know, and then gigs are everywhere. We're crossing each other. We're, you know, cross paths every day in New Orleans. So you, you just because you play the brass band doesn't mean that I don't know all the rock and roll players because we might be on the same gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of cross pollination. And why shouldn't there be? Yeah, it's it's that's the way it is down here. I find myself, you know, showing up to places, and uh, they have a violin player that's just playing all hip hop music. Yeah, if that ain't crossing right. itself right there, but then turn around and have a brass band and then have a jazz singer that's just singing all all at the same gig. Yeah. Love you it. know, and it, it, yep. you have the best of all worlds right there. And it makes you think differently as a musician down here in New Orleans. You, just, you have all of this genres of music hmm. that's just hitting you in the face to where you always creating, you're always in creative mood down, mode down here because you never know who you're going to be on a gig with that's going to inspire that next know. And who you're going song. to influence. Yes, definitely. Derek Tab, co-founder of Roots of Music. Um, you certainly understand the power of community and all the components that you've comprised and built for the Roots of Music. Uh, you talked about the transportation, you talked about the food. I want to nail down what your students do for the first 90 minutes when they get to the Roots of Music after they get off the bus, because I think this is phenomenal. That's the most important component. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, my grandmother and my mom was a very, they were very strict on, 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 on academics. And I found when I got in a band that academics was very important to the band director, but the band was more important at the time when you had band practice. So he didn't think about having uh, time to just do your homework. Because after practice, you did not want to do no homework. He was tired. He wore you out. You ran, you did, you marched, you played. So after practice, they were, I don't even think that this guy even thought about homework. And I used to get home from practice and I started lacking a lot in doing my homework, not knowing that's 130 degree. So when the homework started uh, going down, that's when I found that my mom and my grandmother and everybody was, well, my grandmother had passed by this time. My mom had started getting on my case a lot about this, you know, feeling. But I, 
she nobody wanted to hear about um you're tired from band practice. That's something that you choose to do. Homework is something that you're gonna do. That's first. That's first. So I I used to always think, why couldn't we have time to do homework right after uh, uh, school, right before band practice? Hour or so get started, and that way you can have at least a good start on what you you know your homework. Shouldn't take you no more than an hour and have two hours anyway. Um. And it's a great incentive to get through the homework for the big payoff of playing. Right. And uh, it didn't have bad practice. But I wanted to add something different because I got to experience stuff that a lot of kids didn't experience by me playing music. I got to go to colleges and play. I got to go a lot of places and gig that kids never would get to experience. So I always wanted some help from older folks not teachers. I want I wanted to be like people that wanted to be a teacher, like a graduate student, uh, somebody in college that wanted to help out. And I wanted them to wear all of their paraphernalia for college because we didn't I felt like in a in a neighborhood in the hood I come out of, black folks wasn't seeing, you know, enough people going to college mm-hmm. or I don't even think that I seen one when I was coming up. It was survival, not education. Exactly. So I wanted to really inspire kids to go to college and just having kids that are in school going to college, they're going to talk about the fun they're having. They're going to talk about, you know, everything that's going on, why they wear these, you know, their colors and everything that you could possibly talk about to a kid and all the questions they could possibly ask. Now they can ask right there to a person that's hands-on in college with them. Um, in college while they're teaching them. So it was more than just having a tutoring program. It was more of an inspiration to keep you. If I inspire you to want to go to college, you're definitely going to finish high school, you know? (laughs) So let's skip over inspiring kids to finish high school. Let's go all the way to finishing college. And then we know they're going to finish high school to get to that that college um, aspect. But I felt like that was so important. So the three things, the food, the translation, and the tutoring, was were the three things that I added to Mr. Rich already a great program to make it a perfect program. And that tutoring uh, slash academic component is not only done by obviously vital members of Roots of Music, but you have graduate students of Tulane and Xavier volunteering and yes. helping. Yes. Uh, and it's great, man. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you a quick little story. Please do. First, uh, the first year of the program, I had problems with getting my males involved with the tutoring. So they would try their best to um, duck out during the, during the homework time. They'll come late, they'll sit around, they'll hide in the bathroom, all kind of stuff. So these are kids, I have to play kid games. I can't always jump on them because that's sure. gonna make them rebel more. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went to Xavier with a friend of mine, Beth Abrams, and I said that I wanted all the beautiful women in the school to come <laughs> and uh, tutor. It was a little project that we put. So she got like about 20, 25 beautiful women to come and they agreed to tutor. And we had no more problems with kids not wanting to show up to tutor. True incentive. <laughs> wow. So Spoken like a professional musician who's toured everywhere and has also won a Grammy. 
Yes. <laughs> they wow. tell you if the drugs and alcohol don't get you the women will in the music business. <laughs> exactly. And that big smile, right? Yes. And degrees. Yes. Degrees yes. on the wall. Show people yes. that, you know, you have more than just a, a great personality. You have drive. You have initiative. You have higher aspirations in life. That include music, but that also include other things as well. Yes. Uh, you know, kids get to see me on uh, YouTube and, and different awards. They come to it, they see me. And I really, really appreciate the love that they show to me. Um, because I feel like I'm doing my part in being that positive influence in their life. And that's the most important part to me. Uh, I had a lot of cats that were very positive and influential to me that kept me going. You know, I could have easily strayed away because the just because I got in bell band didn't mean that the influence of trouble or, you know, the negative environment didn't influence me in ways. But I had music and other people to really push me to be the best. And, and some of the same people that were getting in trouble and, you know, causing the problems, that was some of my best inspirations because they were always telling me how good I was and how much I need to stay away from the things they were doing and really give me the knowledge on their side of things of what I don't want, like going to jail, or dying, or getting killed, you know? It's, it's, it, it came from both sides, but I think it came from both sides by me having a good talent and people wanting to see that talent flourish more than they want to see me flourish and doing something wrong because misery loves company. And oh, they absolutely. And sometimes community get pleasure from people failing. Yes, very much so. And, so. and you're a great testament. I mean, the fact that you've not only stayed in a community, you're a professional, successful musician, still practicing with the yes. Rebirth Brass Band. Um, yes. You are leading as a mentor, as an entrepreneur, as a teacher, so many different things and so many different hats of the roots of music that these kids can't even say, well, you haven't done this. Well, right. you haven't gone down that road. I mean, you have done it all. And you're a shining example for these kids to say, hey, if you want music to be in your life forever, that's a great thing. Now, as a someone who just takes enjoyment of listening to music, but if you want to be a professional musician, this is a perfect opportunity through all the different facets that the Roots of Music provides. And I think it's all encapsulating. And first and foremost, the fact that you went through a program that obviously flourished into the roots of music through expansion of ideas by yourself, by wanting to incorporate certainly the transportation and the academic aspect. But I mean, I think it's just a home run for students just to experience the fact that they have a safe place to go. They can go to another place where they're wanted and felt like their family. And number three, have a damn good time. Oh, and by the way, be a part of a band that could get hired as yes. you can hire this youth band. Yes. Oh, it's and by the way, one more thing. Play for President Barack Obama. <laughs> yes, that was a great honor. Great. Yeah. That was, yeah. I've had some great experiences with Roots, and I have so many ideas for Roots, but I have to tell you about two programs that- Please uh, do. We, we, we just recently started two great programs that are so near and dear to my heart. I don't even know which one to start off with. I'm going to start off with the Sprouts program. 
Sprouts program has always been something because I love kids. I love seeing them grow. I love watching the things that they do. I, mm. I love watching what they thinking without asking them what they're thinking. Kids that are five to eight years old, they say the darndest things, man. And I, I want to hear them all. I want to hear everything because they're so free at heart. And it's, it's like, I don't even know how to express mm. the feeling I get when I'm watching a kid just grow. I imagine that far trumps being nominated as a CNN hero of the year because just seeing the fruition of your work is everything. Yes. I feel like, see, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the CNN heroes. Um, but I'm first, I'm going to tell you that the Sprawl program is just, it's amazing. It's little kids, five to eight years old. We're feeding ourselves. We found that, you know, we were teaching kids that were nine or 14, but we actually could be starting an earlier program for ourselves, making it easier for Roots to have kids and reaching kids that want to be involved. So right now we have a program in Columbia Park with uh, Kip Believe in um, the uh, Columbia Park, uh, uh, the great people of Columbia Park and the developments, developers. Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're so great, man. They, they, we started this program with 20 kids and it is so phenomenal to see. It is, I'm talking about this little kids that are really, really excited to be in an after school program with music, a music after school program. And it's just like so great to see. And I can't talk enough about it. So I'm gonna skip over that a little bit. And we started this baby program. Um, the reason why I say that, uh, Cyril, Cyril Neville changed my life. I'm gonna say it was, it was, it was two people, uh, Trombone Shorty. Troy Trumbo Shorty mm -hmm. and Silver Neville, they both changed my life. Uh, Troy brought me a keyboard and wanted me to learn how to do tracks on a Motif 8 keyboard. If anybody has a Motif 8, they understand how hard it is to work this keyboard, especially without any instructions. <laughs> but that was his way of us, one, starting a studio together, and two, him just looking out and saying, hey, man, I don't like you hanging out when you're not playing music, let's do something else. Um, and Silver Neville was in the studio and he did an amazing job of convincing me to sit behind a mixing board and it changed my life. And he, to this day, I don't even know if he know how much he changed my life. He, he, he told me this is where the power is. And for some reason, I sat behind that board and I felt like I was in power. I felt like I had so much power oh, yeah. just sitting back there. And I felt like I was in control. And that's what it, it pretty much an engineer is. He's in control mm -hmm. of that sound and how the music comes comes out. He's flying that and, plane. Yeah, he he just I I want to sit down with him one day and tell him that, but he changed my life. He he gave me a different nobody had ever uh even asked me to come behind all the recordings I had done and all the you know times I had been in the studio, nobody even had asked me to sit behind a board or touch a board or even told me what it was for. I had no, I, I think I, I may was, maybe it was a little afraid of the board and going back there. Well, it can be intimidating, Derek, but you know, there's nothing like getting everybody hears things differently and yes. perceives maybe something different in the right channel versus the left channel. And what about if you do a fill here or, you know, a snare drop here, you never know. So it's a wise thing to do. Yes. So I went back there and it changed my life. So ever since then, I, I didn't want it for myself all the week. I, I knew I wanted to do music production. 
but I didn't want to get full scale into music engineering. Um, but I wanted kids to be involved. I knew that I needed to start a program with kids learning how to be musical engineers because one, I didn't see any black engineers like talking about it. Two, I didn't see any female engineers like talking about it. So I knew it was a need for it. And as I went to investigate, I found out that there was no engineering programs. No, very few. There, it was more of a, a apprenticeships. Yeah, you, all across the board, a, jazz, rock, pop, you name it. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, man, I need to have some engineers. I want to build engineers and really have a program that's going to teach kids everything about a studio because it's so much that you have to know and, and can learn in the studio that it didn't make any sense to, for people to start mm, at absolutely. college. Especially in the era and environment that we live nowadays, Derek Tab, because you know you can have a version of Pro Tools or Adobe on your computer and basically have a recording studio. So right. they can perform their own music, multiple different types of instruments. They can master it. And then some kids can also make their own videos now. So they are one-stop shopping. Right. Exactly. And that's what if we're not teaching it to them, how could they learn it? You know, yeah. You know, how could they ever inspire to want it? Yeah. So absolutely, uh, like that, I felt that was the problem with me. I never inspired to be, be want to be behind a be behind the board, a mixing board, or uh, be in the studio other than re to record. To where when I first first got that experience, it was mind blowing. It was you know you, I don't think that there's any alcohol you could drink, any drug. You it's a different world body. back there. Different different world. Yeah, and it, you're in the, your own creative space. It's like you're in total control of mm -hmm. everything that you're working with. And I think that's what kids always want. As a kid, kids want their own space. They want to be in control of things. And I think about kids now that are making music and are in control of their music. And you're hearing all these different genres of music that's coming out from one place, you know, jazz. It's like jazz. Jazz went into so many different genres of music after jazz was made. And I think that kids are evolving, evolving into even more with, with the sounds and the technology by learning it young. That's what I think it is. Especially wanna... since formats are really kind of blending into each other, which I love and genres. Yes. Hey, Derek, we're running out of time, but I want to uh, touch on something important for the Farrell family. You were presented recently via phone call about an award for $30,000 yes. on behalf of my brother, the Michael Farrell foundation. Yes. Uh, Michael was a assistant district attorney in New York city uh, believe fervently in inner city youth and improving their lives. And we were very, very happy to be able to bestow and earmark this money to you because this program certainly, certainly deserves it. Man, I could not, I, I want to tell you, I didn't, I don't know if I told Mary or not, but uh, that would it be really my sister. brought tears. Yeah. It, it really brought tears to Good. my eyes, man, Good. because uh, like, again, I, I told you earlier, Ann and I have been friends for a while, and we a, lo a good while, sister. almost, <laughs> almost, yeah, almost as long as the program is in, is, is in existence. Uh, her and I have been in communication and really been close about this program. And she was like, "Derek, I want to get with you. I want to do something for this program." And it was always there. She's always been supportive, and to have that come at a time of need. Uh, we just had uh, got some bad news about a grant that we didn't receive and it was kind of a large grant that we really felt bad about at the time. And I was like really bummed because we really worked hard for it. And oh, then, 
And deserve I, it. Yes. And I don't want to brag, man, but sometimes I really feel like, you know, we, 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 we service a lot of kids uh, and we, 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 we give a lot to kids that I feel like sometimes that this program should be the program that is flooding with money and doing, being able to not even. Absolutely. And federally funded. And federally funded. And federally replicated. Yes. 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 All of it. And this, so sometimes it, it, it feels kind of down when you have to fundraise so hard. Of course. When you get a phone call like I got on Monday and you just, it was just like, it was eye opening to say, hey, Derek, you're doing a good thing. You're, do, you're doing the right thing. Everybody's watching. It's, you know, you don't let one thing knock you down. And it was so yeah, uplifting. Exactly. Not just the money. It was just uplifting to have people that just mm. come to the rescue and not even know they come to the rescue at that time. Well, Derek, we are just thrilled that Mike's legacy could be part of Roots of Music and really, really have an impact on youth life. Definitely. Um, we want to show you how, how much we appreciate this, man. We really, you know, this should be well known. We want pictures of Mike uh, and we would love for y'all to be if, if y'all can attend the gala on um, 11, November 11th, uh, it would be an honor, man. Uh, I'd love to. Thank you very much. It's very generous of you. And you should know that Mike was a huge music fan. I mentioned to you that I've been in uh, radio for many, many years in a jazz station in New York City. And we had these things called Jazz Wednesdays at the bottom of the World Trade Center buildings on the plaza there. And every Wednesday, Throughout July and August, he would come from wherever he was, as long as he wasn't in court or something, and come down and see all these David Sanborn, Gerald Albright, Alita Adams, all these jazz greats just come and uh, descend upon the World Trade Center, and he would just be in his glory. I could imagine, man. He sounds like he was a great guy, man. He was a great dude. And it sounded like he loved kids a lot, man. Yes, yes. Very, very yes. advocating for inner city youth. And speaking of advocating, I'm sure you wouldn't decline donated instruments, monetary donations, anything of the above. <laughs> I would love them, man. But I would love for people to give us a call first at 504-460-2611 and talk to uh, Erica. She would definitely, you know, let them know what's the right way to handle that because we would love to have every instrument that we could possibly get, but also space is always a, a big sure, thing with sure, us sure and um the use making sure that the, the instrument is going to be used and not just be something that's just thrown away like a, you know some people might send us a, 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 a oboe <laughs> you know we can't yeah. really use that right now as cool as it is as cool as it is yeah. right now we just can't use it and we wouldn't want to just take up space we're not in a space that we could just have that we have space to just utilize mm. like and lastly, Derek Tab, talk about what time most of the students arrive for the after-school program, and how long are they there until the bus takes them back home? Uh, most of the kids are, uh, arrive between four and four thirty. Um, buses pick them up from their schools. We are we have thirty-five schools that we are now service around the city, and um, they drop them off first half an hour. I mean, first hour and a half is tutoring time. And uh, we take a short break uh, where we get we feed them a snack, and then we we provide snacks by second harvest and also a meal 
I want to say that. I want to give big shots out to Second Harvest. They, they're really doing a great job. Is this food that's doing. brought in or prepared right there? Uh, brought in. They, they, they give us a snack and a, a meal every day, uh, except for Saturdays. And, and it's, it's really, that's a big help. It takes, it lowers the budget down a little bit, but it, it's a great, it's a great part of the program that that was needed and now is being provided for. Um, and uh, after the snack, we go into musical practice, uh, break up into the uh, different uh, sections, lower brass, upper brass, drummers, and woodwinds. Uh, most of the time you have, uh, right now we're in, in a session where we're, it's uh, beginners and advanced. So all the beginners are together, all the advanced are together, horn players, and the drummers are by themselves. Um, it works. That 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 really works right there. All the parts of it bro, work because now you have where the kids are. Now you have your beginners want to be in an advanced band. They're that much closer. It gives them that uh, that goal, that inspiration, to want to move mm. forward rather than always just being in your individual classes. Now you feel yourself in the band, and now you're that much closer to being in the band, the big band, the official band. band. Exactly. Just so, like their leader. I mean, you must be a great shining example of what obviously hard work, determination, fortitude will pay off. I mean, yes, um, not every musician out there has a Grammy, but you have one with your rebirth brass band. But I mean, again, you're towing the line, showing these kids that through hard work, resilience, this is what's possible. And even more important than that is just having a safe and nurturing lifestyle. Yes, yeah, that's that's. My first goal is always to be that mentor and that inspiration for kids, man. I had great guys around me, man. I never had the opportunity of wishing for a Grammy. Um, my band leader, Philip Frazier, he wished for a Grammy. And and I never thought that was even possible. Um, I thought the biggest that we can get is going on tour like the Dirty Dozen and um, being underneath a superstar, mm, you know, still a big not a bad band. thing. Yes, yes, still not a bad thing. But I thought that was the limit of the achievement. And um, Phil seen further with wanting a Grammy, and I tell you, winning the Grammy was was a great thing, man. It's a great accomplishment. But it's it's a stepping stone for me. What I use it for, I use it to inspire kids to want to go get that Grammy and then further, because I always tell them they could be better than me. And I, I believe that a lot of kids are better than me um, because if you see some of these kids, what they're doing at 9, 10, 11 years old, the way they're playing the instrument, you if they stay on the instrument and really practice, and yeah, they're going to foresee me in, in, in 11th grade, you know, because they, <laughs> they have so much technology. It's how good they are. Yes, man, and, and the technology that's available to them. The, you know, YouTube is right now one of the leading educators, and we don't understand that, you know, it's teaching our kids everything right now. And we have to learn to utilize that more to our advantage, even learning some of the things that they learn from it. Uh, because I'm watching kids make games. <laughs> They're building games, you know. I'm talking about yeah, little You have to think kids. about it in a multi-pronged, multi-platform digital level. I mean, where, where are the limits? There are none. Right, there is no limits. And, that means there's no limit to how much a kid can learn. So uh, I'm watching kids that coming in a program not knowing anything, and in a couple of weeks, they're knowing four or five skills. 
that's blowing my mind, man. That, yeah. that, that is really blowing my mind. And but at the same time, this program blows my mind a lot, you know, and it, it because I have kids that suppress everything that I could possibly think of. You asked earlier, uh, did the program turn out to be exactly like I wanted or did it uh, go past what I ever thought it would be? Um, the program hasn't because I have so many different parts of the program that I still haven't unleashed to what I want to uh, do, but or where the program should I wanted to go. But at the same time, the kids have suppressed everything that I could possibly dream. Wow. I've, I've had uh, a kid named Trayvon, Trayvon Sullivan. Uh, this cat, he blows my mind because <laughs> he went from coming to Roots and I told him he was going to be a superstar to uh, going to NOCA in New Orleans, New Orleans uh, School for Creative Arts. Um, Center for Creative Art, I say school, Center for Creative Art. Um, and he went on to uh, Berkeley City Music wow. in, in Boston. And then he wowed me even more by winning a full scholarship to Berkeley City Music in, 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 um, in Spain. And he is just one of the baddest kids in, on this instrument that you could ever want to meet and the most humble cat that you ever want to meet in your life. And he's great. I have a young man who came back and worked at Roots now, Jerron, we call him Bear Williams. He, this is the guy who pushed me to start the program earlier than what I wanted to start. Him and his brother was just like on my back. And it's but coming full circle. How about that? Full circle. Now he's back to teach Roots. He, he went on to go to Landry or Walker High School, uh, going on to Southern University College and becoming a lead trumpet player over the whole swag. I watched this kid start out telling me he was gonna be the best. That's what he told me, he said, I'm gonna be the best. And I watched him become the best. That was something amazing. I watched- and How does that make you feel, Derek? Oh man, I, it brings tears to my eyes, to be honest with you. You know, I can, there is nothing that can make me feel better than to see them achieve their goals. And I don't, I don't need to thank you. I don't need to thank you. That's that's the thing. They they want to thank me. And I don't even need it. I want them to just keep going. I want they have thanked you them. by succeeding. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And a lot of people don't understand that. You know, I don't have to. They don't have to come back and tell me anything. Just keep doing what you're doing and succeeding. And I, I, I did my part. I want you to continue doing your part and just you know, seeing the world and doing whatever it is that you want to do. And that's what music. Yeah. Me, it gave me the opportunity to do exactly what I wanted to do in life. Music so, is medicine. Music is so much. Yeah. I mean, it's encompassing. Oh, it's gathering. It, it bonds communities. And it's educational. It's creative. It's an escape. All of the above. All of the above. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm yeah. talking to you, Derek, it kind of reminds me of a, an important metaphor I've heard, a phrase that I like. And I think of you when I hear about it. It goes something like this. You're never as tall as when you lean down to speak to a child. I've heard that before. I, I want to say a guy sent me a picture of me um, leaning down to talk to uh, uh, drumming with my little, who, he's my nephew, but slash son. Um, I was beating on a plate of drum and a guy told me, I've never seen you so so uh, so tall before. And I was bent over. He was like, that's a, that's a great picture. Coming from a tall guy, are you like 6'6"? 
six yeah six six (laughs) so you got you know i think about this you got community roots uh music and education roots roots that will keep your students when they become adults rooted to the great city of new orleans and the program that will forever be rooted in them derek tab congratulations great work thank you so much man. everyone can find out your information the program at therootsmusic.org therootsmusic.org I implore you to check out the site they have swag for sale Uh, great items great t-shirts as a matter of fact my son is proudly wearing one and he's a big drummer by the way yeah Uh, 13 years old he would uh, I think impress you and lastly in closing Derek Tab tell me about the feeling you have when you're on stage playing live in front of five people or five thousand man it's Man, Mark, when I tell you, you have the you have the great question that nobody have ever asked me that. because um, a lot of people may ask me what I felt at that personal time, but nobody really asked me what I felt when I um, played my drum. Back in the day, I, I didn't want to play. I felt like the, the only person I wanted to impress was my grandmother, and I never had the opportunity to impress her because she died before I really got good on my drums. I used to play and she used to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just need a little bit more practice. (laughs) And she passed away before I really got to show how good I I got on my drums. So I didn't really want to play for a long time. I just used to, you know, practice a lot. And my mom told me that every time I play, just say that I was playing for her and put that in my mind that I was playing for her. So for a long time, I didn't care about anybody or anything that was going on in the crowd. I played with my head down, and I would focus on what she would say. I, you know, put my mind frame on entertaining her, and it became where it was like easier for me to make it through a gig. And I, I started getting away from that when I started really. I want to say just traveling, meeting people uh, with Rebirth. And, and it started being more of I'm entertaining myself. I, I want to entertain me. If I can impress me, something that I can't seem to ever do, then I know I can impress everybody else. I know I can help everybody. But I want to stand up there and impress me. I want to be good at the entertainment. I want to be good at playing the drums. I want to be good at the you know, the the interviews after. I want to be good at being a musician, but I want to really impress me. And from there, I guess, I impressed a lot of other people. But when I'm on stage, it feels like that's my cage. That's my freedom. That's my place. You know, Have you I, impressed I, yourself? I I think that I let others impress me with things that I beat it and instilled with them. Somehow I, I, I thought you were going to go down that road <laughs> because that's yeah. the humble man that you are. Yeah. I, I want to help others. You know, I just want everybody. I got to live a great life and do great things with great people. And I want that for other people. I want them to experience all of that, that I did. I, I, everything that I took for granted, I want everybody to experience because at the time I was in, I don't think that mentally I was right to experience it. I use music as my my, uh, my my medicine and it put me in my space where I can deal with whatever I was going through at yeah. that time. And um, I, 
I really, I really feel like, you know, me being on the stage, I was in my space where it didn't matter who was in the crowd. It didn't matter what I was playing for. Like you said, for, if I play for five or 500 or 5,000, I was always in my space on that stage. I can play whatever I want to play. I can call. And Phil was like my person. And that's a good thing to be. I mean, you are the root of the band. Yes. I mean, the drums, the percussion, the bass. I mean, the, uh, you know, that's it. Yes. Eric Tab, I, I can't thank you enough on behalf of every child in New Orleans, uh, every child in the United States, hopefully will uh, benefit from this program uh, through the uh, interviews and uh, publications that talk about your programs and why shouldn't they? And of course, the musicians who share music and uh, talk throughout the musical communities. Thank you for your time. Of course, we want people to check out therootsmusic.org, therootsofmusic.org. Derek, again, keep shining, my friend. And thank you so much, Mark. And thank you to your family also again, man. Thank you all so much. Y'all never know how much that meant to us, man. Yes, my conversation with Derek Tab. I hope you enjoyed it. Check out therootsofmusic.org, therootsofmusic.org. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it right there. I can't even get into Herschel Walker and how preposterous this whole situation is. But of course, everyone once again is scared and shaking in her boots about Donald Trump and going against him. And that's the only reason Herschel Walker could possibly, possibly win Georgia. That, that disprove his words just goes to show you again the power that Donald Trump still has. And lastly, there's two things that I still find unfathomable. That there are A, still politicians that are going along with Donald Trump's antics. And B, there are people stupid enough and ignorant enough in this world and gullible enough in this world to believe this stuff is still true. When you have Republicans, not a great deal of them, when you have less than 10%, actually way less than 10%, maybe about 10 or 15 prominent Republicans saying that the election was not rigged. Oh, man. Yeah, we have a ways to go, my friends. Anyway, we have to leave it here. Gary Knowles next. I hope you enjoyed our time together. As always, I did. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at mark at markfarrellmotivation.com. Mark at markfarrellmotivation.com. Have yourself a grand day. Keep living and laughing. Gary Knowles is next, my friends. Insight with Mark Farrell. Check out this and all Insight shows on the Insight page at prn.fm. prn.fm. Have Mark speak at your company, your kid's school or college. Mark speaks on critical topics that affect kids and adults everywhere, from anti-bullying, mental health, drugs and alcohol, to overcoming adversity. Visit markfarrellmotivation.com for more info. Insight, Thursday mornings at 11 on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.